Well, good morning, everyone. Before I start my lesson this morning, I need to put in a disclaimer. Now, earlier this month, first part of the month, Brother Billy Joe uh, called Matt and I aside, and uh, he said a fifth Sunday's coming up. We'd like to give Matt a rest on fifth Sunday. So would I preach? I said, well, of course I would. And it's just uh, my habit when I'm asked, you know, right away, just my next opportunity, I'm going to start working on something. I'm going to find something to preach. I'm going to start working on a rough outline and, and be putting it together. And, of course, we've been bringing lessons that go with our Bible class. So I, I looked that up and, and found out today that we're studying from Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. We're going to read that in just a moment. So I started working on a lesson based on that. Well, then, uh, the next week, we had our gospel meeting. Brother David Life was here and did an excellent job. But one night during the meeting, uh, he had this same scripture. And I thought, oh, that's the preacher I'm gonna, uh, scripture I'm going to be preaching on on Fifth Sunday. And all of a sudden, he started talking. I said, wait a minute, that's what I was going to preach. <laughs> he stole my outline. Well, he didn't steal all of it, but he, he had quite a bit of it, so... To this morning, I thought I'd go ahead with what I had prepared anyway. You might, if you were here that night, you may hear a little bit of a rerun, uh, and it would be good for us, I think. If you weren't, you need, you need this lesson anyway. So keep that in mind as uh, we, we look at our lesson today. Luke 14, I'd like to begin with verse 15, and let's think about some things from this scripture. It says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you uh, to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. Can you imagine an invitation to a free meal? Now we're not talking about uh, one of your friends inviting you over for supper one evening. We, we enjoy that, we like that. We're not talking about a fellowship meal like we have after services from time to time. But I'm talking about this is going to be a great supper. It's, it's a supper so great, it's going to be a buffet. So you don't have to worry, you know, if you're a picky eater, you don't have to worry about, uh, well, are they going to have something I'll eat? And if you uh, like certain dishes especially, you're going to find that meal there. You know, if you like Italian, they're going to have Italian there. If you like Chinese, they're going to have Chinese there. If you love that big old juicy steak, they're going to have all kinds of different kinds of steaks and the fixings that go with it. You know, if you are a, 
uh, meat and three kind of person. They're going to have all kinds of meats. They're going to have all kinds of vegetables for their, you know, if, if what makes your day is a hamburger or a hot dog, they're going to have that too. It's all there. Anything, it, this room could not cover all the different dishes that are going to be there. And you're invited and it's free. You just come and get it. Isn't that a great meal? Wouldn't you like to have that? I know I would enjoy that. Well, that's what we're seeing here. Jesus called this meal a great supper. That's what he talked about uh, as he talked about this parable. You know, this was taught in the home of a Pharisee. And notice again in verse 15, there was someone sitting there at that table and said, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And the parable that Jesus brings us today is a parable in response to that statement. Eating bread in the kingdom of God. That's the great supper. That's the great meal that we just described to you that it's going to have all these great blessings that are beyond our comprehension. But then we see that there were some in this parable that had excuses. They didn't want to come. Think about the seriousness of the excuses. Jesus, again, called this a great supper. It wasn't average. It wasn't just food out of a can. This was something that was specially made. It was great. You think about in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. The writer says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? I believe Jesus, when he's talking about this great supper, he's talking about this great salvation that the Hebrews writer is telling us about. How can we neglect such a great salvation that's been laid before us? But yet there are people that do that. Some people, though, begin to make excuses that they can't come. You know, as you read this parable, Jesus lays it out in such a way that, that it appears that these people were notified earlier. It wasn't just like they got a, a phone call. Of course, they didn't get a phone call back then. <laughs> they didn't get some, a messenger to come up to the door and, and say, hey, they're having a great supper down the, door, down the road. No, this was something that uh, a prior invitation was given. They had time to plan. They had time to, to work their schedule where they could be a part of this. But yet they had excuses. And, and you know, on the surface, these excuses may seem to be pretty legitimate, but we're going to look at them a little closer and see that they're not. And then we find in verse 24 that those that opted out lost their opportunity to this great supper. Just think about the folly of the excuses that were given. The first man, he said, well, I, I can't come. I just bought a field, and I must go look, in the, look at it. That's what he wanted to do. I want to look at my field that I just bought. Now think about the folly of this. What is a field? It's dirt. It's got grass on it. It may have trees on it. You know, it, it's, it's just a piece of land. It's acreage that's out there. How is that land going to look any different tomorrow? What's going to change? Grass going to grow a little bit? Trees sprout a leaf or two extra? You know, what, what's going to be different about that land at a later time, and then by the way, if I'm going to go buy some acreage, I think I'm going to go look at it before I actually lay some money down, wouldn't you? That's something you want to know what kind of field you're going to get 
Now I've got it. I can go to this dinner. I don't have to worry about it. That field ain't going to go anywhere. It's not like somebody going to come and take it and steal it. What are they going to do with that land? There's no purpose into that. It was just an excuse. But he had that attitude, I must go. His possession possessed him. Folks, we got to be careful. We, got, we have possessions in our life, and we don't need to let our possessions possess us. But we need to be uh, wary of that, that we don't get in spiritual trouble with the possessions that we have. The second one, he loved his business too much. Uh, he had just bought five yoke of oxen, and he said, I need to go test my purchase. And once again, what's the oxen going to do different the next day that they wouldn't do right now? And again, before I go buy the oxen, I think I want to try them out before I even purchase them. Wouldn't you want to do that? But that's the excuse he had, and he wanted to just bring that excuse, I've got to go test my oxen. His business was more important. The third man said, well, I married a wife. You know, marriage is important, isn't it? Uh, our marriages, when we marry someone, we, we need to take it seriously. Uh, we've had some young couples that have been married just recently. We've got some others that will be married soon. Some may not even know it, but you, you, know, you look a few years down the road and you're going to be married too. It's a very serious deal, isn't it? And it's something that you need to look at. It's something that's, that is for a lifetime. It's something that we need to make a commitment to in our lives. No doubt about that. But this third man, he married a wife. You know, I'm sure she was, she was invited just as well. Why can't you take a little time off and enjoy this free supper, this great supper, and be there? No, I just married a wife. I saw a quote uh, just this past week from uh, Zig Ziglar. He said, if there is something you really want to do, you'll find a way to do it. If you don't want to do it, you'll make an excuse. And that's pretty much what it is, isn't it? Not, not just on spiritual matters, but anything in life. If, if you don't want to do it, you'll find a way to make an excuse. If you do want to do it, you'll find a way to do it. You'll get it done. You'll think about it. You'll ponder over it. And you'll make it happen. This morning, I want to think about excuses that, that people make. And, and as I do this, you know, uh, we make excuses for not attending the worship service. We make excuses for why uh, we are not out doing the things we ought to be doing during the week. We can make excuses for things that we know are sinful against God. We make excuses about a lot of things, but this morning I really like to, to key on the idea of making excuses for us not taking part in the great salvation. People make excuses for not obeying the gospel. And there are some say, I don't know enough. Well, I, you know, the reason that people may say that is we're living in this world today and our world is filled with the idea and the notion that we cannot know the truth. The truth is relative and so if the truth is relative I'm not sure I really understand. I, I don't know if anybody can really understand this or if anybody can really know 
Some, some assert that, that no one can really know the truth. But Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, that ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We can know the truth. God's Word is the truth. God's Word gives us everything good and solid, a great understanding of what we can do and what we must do if we want to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we got to make up our mind. Do we want to believe the world or do we want to believe Jesus? Do we want to believe the world that tells us, well, you really can't know. You, can't, you really can't know what church is right. You can't really know what preacher is telling the truth and what preacher is bringing false doctrine. You, you just can't know those things. You, you just might as well give up and, and forget about it. Or do you want to believe Jesus that says you can know and brings us a, a word that is solid and sure? We need to follow that word. There are some other people who says, you know, I would have to give up too much to come to this great supper. They're kind of like the ones that made excuses there that I, I just got other things I'd rather be doing. It's great, sounds great, wonderful, but I just have other things I think is a higher priority. And indeed, you know, to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are some people in this world that would have to make some drastic changes perhaps in their social life. If their social life is filled with drugs and alcohol, guess what's going to have to change if we're going to be faithful to God? That's going to have to change, isn't it? If our life is filled with living with immorality, we're going to have to change that, aren't we? If, if our life is just filled with a mouth that is filthy and, and says harmful and hateful things to other people and vulgar things, those things need to change. And there's some people that are out there that said, you know, I don't want to give that up. I like living that way. I want to live that way. There are others that might have to make changes in the way that they conduct business with others. Actually, going to have to start making a fair deal. <laughs> you can't deceive others. You're going to have to be honest. You're going to have to be truthful about the things that you do in your life. And yet there are people that don't want to make these changes. Think about what Jesus said over in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 16, beginning in verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We've studied that in just recent weeks. These, these parables tie together. These parables work together in great harmony with each other. And he tells us here that we need to think about that what out in this world is more important than our soul. And if we really think about that, if, you know, this dinner that Jesus taught, this great supper, it was really more important than a piece of land. It was more important than, uh, than testing out the oxen that someone had just bought. It was even more important than a marriage. 
it, it, it had a great importance to it. And our salvation has this great importance. We must love God. We must have this desire to say that if I've got something going on in my life that's not pleasing to God, I've got to put that aside. That's what repentance is, by the way. And we're ready to do that. There are some that will say, well, you know, I am not good enough. I'm just not good enough because I have been doing these things. I can lay these things aside maybe, but, but because I have done these things in my uh, former life up to this point in time, how can God forgive me of the things that I've done? Think about what Jesus said in Luke 19 verse 10. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came to this earth. He's looking for people who need to change. And He's looking for people who have it in their heart and they want to change. And He says, when they change, I'm with them. And I can assure them of eternal life. I can wash away those sins. I can take care of all those sins that's in anybody's life. A person can be pure and white as snow. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? You know, we have three other parables found over in, in Luke chapter 15 where there was something that was lost. And if you feel like you're lost, if you feel like you're that lost sheep, remember that shepherd came out to find you. Uh, we could literally say our shepherds here would be glad to do that, but we can go beyond that. All the brothers and sisters in Christ are, are uh, willing to do that. When someone's lost, we are, we are looking for you. We are searching for you. We want to get you out of the dangers that's in this life. We're here to help you in any way to get you back into the fold with the other sheep. We care about you, and we want you to be here with us. You know, that second parable, uh, there's the woman that lost a coin. She had ten coins. She went counting them one day, and she went seven, eight, nine. She's missing that tenth one. And she started sweeping the house until she found it. You know, uh, I was looking for something, oh, about a week ago. I know I've got it somewhere. I still hadn't found it. It's in our house somewhere. And, and Melanie has watched me just literally tear up my office looking for it. Hadn't found it yet. I got some other places I'm going to be looking because I know it's somewhere. And that's what this woman did. She swept the house until she found it. And that's what we do as Christians. Your life is that valuable. We'll look everywhere until it's found. That's how valuable your life is. And then think about the lost son. We know the story about the lost son. I just want to jump to the point that when he came back, what did the father do? Came out, gave him that hug, welcomed him back. The son was coming back as a servant, but he received him back as a son. They killed the fatted calf, and they celebrated the return of that son. Someone says, I am not good enough to be a child of God. Then you're speaking against the word of God. Because if you're willing to change, 
God's willing to accept you, and we're willing to help you make the changes that are necessary in your life. There are some who say, well, I am good enough. That's why I don't need the church. That's why I don't need salvation. I, I'm just fine. I, I, li I live a clean life. I, I treat everyone fairly. I'm good to everyone. I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus is His Son. I am just fine. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who we are. We have all fallen short. And we need God's love. We need His forgiveness. Think about what Paul says over in Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6. It says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Now my point's in verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved in his life. We understand that when Paul wrote this letter, he's writing to the Christians in Rome. He's writing to people who have obeyed the gospel already. And he's reminding them that when they obeyed the gospel, they have been reconciled to God. Folks, it doesn't matter how much we think there's goodness in us. There is sin in all of us. And we can't go to heaven with any sin. And whether our sin is little or great, what we do when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ is we reconcile ourselves back to God. It's a great reconciliation. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. It says there, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Folks, if, if we think that we're beyond sin, John tells us very clearly that we are deceiving ourselves. If you truly believe that, you are fooling yourself. And the truth is not in you. The truth is in the word of God. And the word of God says we all have sinned. We're making God a liar because God says, yes, you do have sinned. Everybody. And we need to do something about that sin. So we've been invited to the Great Supper to take care of that. And then there are people, uh, some people make the excuse, there are people in this church I do not like. You know, Brother Light talked about it this way. He, he was talking about hypocrites. And, and I noticed that our younger generations, I don't think you use that word very much. Any of you young men use the word hypocrite lately? Talk about, no, you don't, you don't use that word anymore, do you? It's a word we just don't use that much. 
but a lot of times what we hear is, is people say, I, there's some people over I just don't like, and really they're kind of talking about the same thing if you think about it. That's why they don't like them. They think that there's something phony about that person or whatever it might be. Well, let me tell you something. We here at Fountainhead Church of Christ, we do not claim perfection, do we? We are not perfect people. I think I just talked about that, didn't I? We all have sinned. We know that. And so we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We're, we're trying to be the best we can be. That's all we want to be. But let me tell you something. Let's say if you walked in this morning, if you were visiting here for the very first time, and you said, you know, there's some people there I just don't like. I, I, they just rubbed me the wrong way. They, uh, they didn't treat me the way I should be treated. Well, you could go to one of our sister congregations around here in the Portland area. You're going to find the same thing there. I'm not speaking ill of them. That's just the truth, isn't it? Well, okay, well, let's try one of the denominational churches around here. You can do that with the You're going to find the same thing there. We all are different in the way that we think, the way that we act. And, and everybody, everybody might be at their very best behavior. But still, we find sometimes that someone's just not up to what we think they ought to be. Guess what? If you work a job, now some people work a job where they work by themselves or with maybe a, a very few people, but if you work a job, you're in a plant or an office or whatever it is, and there's a lot of employees there, I assure you there's probably someone there that you just don't get along with very well. Now, is that right? You've been to those places. If, if, you, if you're not working there now, you've worked at some place, there's a lot of people there, there's just someone you don't get along with very well. There may be someone in your neighborhood, you just can't get along with them. just doesn't work out right. You know, it's that crabby neighbor, whatever it might be. But what we need to realize is, is that we all do think different. And, and we don't need to be thinking about, oh, how do we get along with everyone? How do we get along with God? You see, we make excuses of why we don't want to obey the gospel. What's our relationship with God? You know, if there's someone here in our congregation, and, and the, the thing that they're doing is actually a sinful matter, and they're practicing sin, and they know they're practicing sin, and they continue and they never repent of it, they're going to be lost one day. And if there's someone says, well, you know, I can't be a part of that congregation because there's someone there like that, I'm just not going to obey the gospel, I'm not going to, you're going to be lost too. That doesn't excuse us from the things that are out there, whatever it might be. Now these are just a few excuses people might make to the great salvation. There could be other excuses too. Whatever it might be, it, it is just simply an excuse. In this parable, we had a great supper. It had everything. And there's the people that said, I don't want to come. Now think about this. We go back over there just for a moment. Luke 14. I want to think about something here before we wind this up this morning. Look at verse 24. Jesus said, For I say to you, 
that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Here were some people, they were invited to a great supper. They made an excuse and said, I cannot come. And then obviously, then they didn't get to taste that supper, did they? If you didn't go, you didn't get to taste it. If we have a fellowship meal after Sunday service and we elect not to go to that, then we didn't get to partake of that meal, did we? But the idea here is we're thinking about a great salvation. And if someone makes an excuse and says, I am not going to be a part of that, then they're not going to get to take part. They're not going to get to partake of that great salvation. Notice these first two uh, excuses. When, when they asked about it or said something about it, they said to the ones inviting, said, I ask you to have me excused. Guess what? They were excused. When someone says, just excuse me, I do not want to obey the gospel, they're going to be excused. They're going to be excused from a heavenly home someday. Is that what we want? Is that what in our best interest? So we need to think about that. We don't want to be excused from eternal life. We want to be there. So my question is this morning, I know there's some folks that need to obey the gospel. What is your excuse? Can we get over that excuse? Can we obey the gospel once and for all this very day? I, I pray and I hope that you will. You know, Jesus loves you. We love you. Uh, I, I heard a thought this morning, uh, Brother Phil Sanders, on the search of the Lord's way. He was talking about how some preachers don't preach about hell anymore. Well, preachers that do preach about that, we preach because we love you. We want you to know about that place. We don't want you to go there. And we preach about the great salvation because that's what's going to keep you away from there. If you believe that Jesus is God's Son, you're ready to repent of those sins in your life, confess the sweet name of Jesus, be baptized for the remission of your sins. We ask you to come as we stand this time.